Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace show, where we're creating a conversation for what God's doing through Christians in the marketplace. I'm Sean Bowles, and my co-host is Bob Hassan. We interview everyday influencers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs from all areas of industry, exposing you to powerful stories of what God's doing through people just like you. We're also sharing our thoughts about what God's doing in finance, business, entertainment, and politics. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I'm Bob Hassan with my friend, Sean Bowles. Sean, who do we have on the show today? You know, I love our show. I love Exploring the Marketplace because we get to talk to people from all kinds of backgrounds. Today, we have Mike Hogan and him and two other authors released a book called Rebranding Christianity. And there's no one better to talk about this than Mike because he is a business executive and brand marketing expert and has led some of the world's largest companies as the chief marketing officer and brand strategy consultant, including Frito-Lay, GameStop, you know I love them, Microsoft, <laughs> Campus Crusade, and Feed the Children. And he and his wife, Brenda, are living in Dallas. And they are just really plugged into what they're doing in their local church, but they're also plugged into what's going on in Christianity at large, as well as what's happening in branding and marketing. Obviously, he's one of the world leaders in that subject. I love when we get to talk to people like this, because I think that branding and marketing is one of the secret sauces that God's going to give the church identity to. And when you look back at some of the greats, like Billy Graham, who's just one of my heroes uh, of the faith, he started his crusades here uh, in Los Angeles, Bob, where I'm at. And he actually hired a branding marketing company to train them and say, how can we bring Christianity to everyone's household? And they taught him to do commercials for his very first crusade to try it. And they spent the same marketing budget as a commercial agency. And they did all these commercials on television. And it filled the stadium where they had to do multiple nights. And there was tens of thousands of people saved because they use the tools that are available to bring Christ into fullness. So I think marketing and branding is so important for companies, it's so important for individuals, and it's so important for the church. And so I love that they're creating this conversation, but we get to hear Mike's story. We get to go deep with Mike's story and hear how he got involved with this and how his space affected his career up next on Exploring the Marketplace. My Translating God book, which is gonna teach you how to hear God's voice in real ways that you can use today because it's hearing God's voice for yourself and the world around you, is on sale right now with its workbook, which is gonna take you through lessons to really bring it home. And if you get this right now, we're gonna give you the masterclass, which is, I mean, I love my masterclasses. We've spent a lot of time and energy making these. It's gonna be absolutely free if you get the book and the workbook from bowlsministries.com. So if you wanna go deeper in hearing God's voice, order this today. Well, welcome back. We're here with Mike Hogan. Uh, welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you, appreciate you having me on. I'm so glad we have you on because we don't often talk to people who are like branding and marketing gurus. <laughs> Maybe that's a wrong word for a Christian show, but I just think it's so amazing, your experience, your breadth of experience in so many different industries. I'm looking from Frito-Lay to GameStop to Microsoft to Campus Crusade for Christ. It goes on and on and on where you've been a strategist and a consultant in all these different companies. And what people are looking for right now, because the market has been so disrupted, is how, especially Christians, like if you own a business or if you're an entrepreneur, how do I look at the you know marketing strategically? And and you're right in the middle of that conversation, but in the mainstream world, which I love so much. But I want to talk about your faith and how it really impacted your career. Because when I was reading through our show notes, and we've had a little bit of time to talk beforehand, it looks like the trajectory of where you were trying to head versus where you ended up, which was even a greater result than you could have probably led yourself. It looks like there was a lot of surrender moments and a lot of interpreting your journey through a lens of faith. And I, I think that's so valuable for, it's one of the reasons why we do the show is to talk to people like you, Mike, to say, take us on the journey. Like, how did you get to where you're at? These are incredible companies you've consulted. 
you've had an incredible career and I know it's still happening, but take us on the journey. How did this start for you? How did your faith play into this, sure. this career? Sure. So first of all, I, um, I did not grow up in the church. Um, my, uh, my family sort of nominally went to church when I was, was young. And then, uh, this was the sixties and my parents got divorced and the church didn't really have much of a place for a, a divorced woman. So my mom stopped going to church and we all stopped going. And it wasn't until I got to college that I became a believer. Um, interesting enough, um, this girl that I was dating from high school at the time happened to invite me to this church in Chicago called Willow Creek, which yeah. was still meeting in a movie theater. Oh, so wow. There's mm -hmm. a whole, you know, interesting story there. And it's one of the, another one, like, you know, how could I have ever guessed, right, that this was, was going to happen? And I think, um, so for the, the first part of my career, I was, you know, I was a relatively new Christian, and I was kind of sorting this kind of stuff out. And and I think at the time, you know, obviously you you know things, or you, you think you know things a lot more clearly probably when you're 20 than when you're in your 50s or 60s, right? And, and, uh, and I, I was certainly no exception to that. And I think, um, you know, what I was expecting, right, was these sort of big moments of reckoning. Right. You know, somebody's going to ask you to do this thing. And, and, mm -hmm. and by the way, I've had friends who've had that. They were running company and and uh, somebody came in and said, I need you to change the books. And, you know, something that was clearly illegal and uh, a good good friend of mine you know, left a job over that. But wow. for the most part, that wasn't really my experience. What I think I, I, I learned was for me, it was what I like to call a thousand small moments of reckoning, not mm -hmm. a big one. And it, it, you know, it reminds me a, a lot of when, um, like uh, Elijah is, you know, he's had this sort of big moment, you know, with the fire and the prophets, and then he's in the desert, and and God comes to him as a small voice, and so that's sort of been my right experience, and um, and so as as it happens, I I guess what I would say about the whole thing is God's will is almost always completely clear to me comma, in retrospect. <laughs> yes. You know, it, 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 at the moment, right, so for, for me, it was, you know, finding a sort of a calm in myself to say, you know, what's the direction here? What should I be doing? And after the fact, God makes clear to me why this happened. And so I would say there's, there's, there's a lot of, you know, left turns and right turns there. I like, I kind of liken my um, life to a river. It has the, the bends and the turns, and so much of my effort, when you really come down to it, is is been about trying to make the the curves of the river into a straight path, you know, so you can be uh, uh, goal oriented or get there faster or or whatever the thing is. But God has His own plan, and what I've learned to do over the years, to some extent, is to be able to enjoy, you know, what the what's around the next bend in the river, which which doesn't mean not doing anything, right? But it means uh, you know, holding these things with an, with an open hand. Well, it's, it's interesting, Mike, um, that you've been in some of the largest companies in the world. Um, and, and as your, as your career has ebbed and flowed and gone down that river, um, what has it been like, uh, in the church, uh, with the notion we talk about on this show a lot, the sacred versus the secular and, yeah. and, um, and and we believe a certain way that I think you do. Talk to us about how. Can I add to that, Bob? So let me interrupt real fast, Bob, because I I think especially with Bob's question of asking the kind of the line between sacred and secular, I also think 
looking back at your career, because you're a brand specialist, you're a marketing consultant, and that's the missing ingredient of most churches and movements. That must have been somewhat frustrating at times. So I'd love to hear your experience. And I know Bob does too. Yeah. That's why that's a question. I think you're a unique person to answer this question because that very area that you do the most is probably the, the biggest felt need in the church at large. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for asking the question. It's really interesting. I was I was watching your show, you know, the the episode with Mark Batterson and and of course he's a pastor, right? Full time yeah. pastor, but he was making sort of the same point of I think he called it a false dichotomy, right, between the secular and the sacred. And I've always, you know, felt the same way of if God's calling me, that's it's not sort of like what do I do on Sunday and what do I do the rest of the week. It's it's particularly of interest to me because as we started this book, you know, to be honest, a, a number of people were kind of like well, branding and the church, you know. Tell the name of the book because no one knows it yet. Oh, yeah. The the book is called Rebranding Christianity. And I think think to some people, the notion of even thinking about Christianity as a brand is somehow, you know, tarnished, right? The the idea there. And and so I I need to say up front, you know, as as we say this, I realize, right, that there are a lot of people out there who would, you know, call themselves branding people that are doing, you know, they think of, you know, crazy car dealers or or, or whatever. And in fact, a story when my son was about six or seven years old, and I, uh, you know, he was watching TV one day, and he saw, you know, some toy or something advertised, and he said, "Dad, um, is that true or is it just marketing?" And you know, I was a little bit offended by it because I was running marketing for you know a <laughs> company at the time, and but when we say when we say rebranding, what we what we really are talking about is is branding done well, and and it's in branding done well is about making and keeping promises, right? And we think about it, brands that that are successful over time and that people trust are brands that make promises about things that are important in our lives and then keep those promises. And so mm. trust builds and grows. And you think, well, shouldn't that be true of the church, right? So from our perspective, the brand, if you will, meaning what comes to mind when you hear the name Christianity or Christian should be, you know, Jesus's charge of, you know, love one another as I have loved you. And by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. So in other words, we should be known first and foremost for the way in which we love people. And we could cite all kinds of polling data, which says that's probably not what we're known for. I happen to be in the sort of Southern evangelical church, and we're particularly not well known for that. So when we say rebranding, we're not saying, hey, you know, the message of Jesus didn't work. Let's find another one. What we're saying is, let's call people back to what this brand is really about. And in fact, in the years in which I was a consultant, so often what we were doing is not coming in and finding a new thing. It was it was meeting with people and saying, hey, you know, this is what your brand was about. And people really loved that. And it was important when wow. you did it well. Um, but you know what? You've stopped doing that. You know, you're your your hotel got dirty or your restaurant started giving <laughs> yeah. bad service or or whatever and i feel you know it, there's a whole lot of reasons why the church has gotten you know sidetracked into other things be it politics or cultural issues or or what have you and so what we're really saying in the book is bringing the church back to what the brand what jesus established the brand as 2000 years ago so from our perspective it's it's bringing together right the, the the original message from Jesus of what is the brand about with to your point modern principles say how can we apply this 
in a way that would help us to um, recapture what the brand is really about. Well, I just think it's so interesting that it kind of like, it's the ultimate um, conversation piece in the sacred versus sacred, because you're taking your, you know, you and your two writing partners are taking your decades of experience, and you're actually applying it to a book to say, can we change the face of Christianity? Can we change the way people think about it? And I think that there's, there was some words back in the 80s from some of the top pastors who said that Christianity is going to change in one generation in the future. The next great revival, the last great one was the Jesus revolution or Jesus yeah. people. The next great one will be where people identify Christ for who he really is. And I think we're, I, I just am excited your book's coming out now and just that you're emerging outside of your career in this as well. Because I think of Jesus revolution being released in 2023. I think of the, the movie that, that actually spoke to what it could look like to see a generation change, you know, with the least likely people group. And, and it was all based on love. It was based on people starting to feel accepted and loved. And kind of the shame-based message wasn't relevant anymore, but there was still holding the truth. So I just, I think, I just want to, that's my own rhetoric. But I'm going to go back into your story some, because let's yeah. talk about when some of the moments, like, like break us down to like a moment when God was really kind of leading you a different, this message came and this book came because you've walked alongside companies, but also God has rebranded what faith is to you. And he's really helped you to be, a vocal leader in this. So like, let's go back and tell us some, tell us some stories. Tell us some stories, Mike. <laughs> sure, sure. Tell us your life. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it kind of fits in with, uh, you know, God's always, uh, will is always clear to me in, in, in retrospect. And, and it certainly had the moments. I, I can remember I was in my earlier mid thirties and, and I'd had a long and, you know, successful career at PepsiCo. I was the VP of international marketing and, and I, and I chose to leave and, and take this next opportunity with a company called Dean Foods, which was, a, you know, a big company, but really growing. And, and um, you know, after a couple of years, it, it, it sort of became clear that, you know, that was not going to be the thing for me. And, mm. and, you know, you can imagine, right, you've, you've had this, you're experiencing this sort of derailment for the first time, what am I going to do? And I did what you would think I would do. I interviewed with other companies and a couple of opportunities came up that were different places, you know, Canada or Pittsburgh or Michigan or whatever. And at the same time, I was having, very interesting, I was having a conversation, a dialogue here with one of my pastors, who was not my senior pastor at the time, but it was actually Jeff Jones, who's now my senior pastor, who was the associate pastor at the time. And we're just sort of, you know, navigating this together. And like, what, you know, I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure what I should do. And he said in his sort of, you know, unique, challenging way. He said, well, I, I think God's got you at work here, you know, right here in Dallas. And I was, you know, kind of like, you know, okay, but I don't have a job, you know. So um, anyway, I, I ultimately made the decision not to pursue any of those jobs. Um, I was supposed to be on a plane to some place for an interview. And I called up the headhunter who was a a very senior guy at a, a company called Spencer Stewart, which is a big search firm. And I said, uh, Hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not on the plane. <laughs> you know, he's like, Oh, you know, are you sick? Did you have a car accident? I said, no, I, I said, I, I'm not there. I said, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next, but I think it involves staying in Dallas and continuing to volunteer at my church, you know, which of course I don't get paid for. And I, I literally was expecting him to say, you're a big idiot and don't yeah. ever call me again. But he didn't. You know, he was very, he was silent for probably 30 seconds. And then he said, uh, 
He said, you know, Mike, he said, um, not, not everybody that I work with knows this, but I'm a, a, a believer. And wow. he happened to be in Chicago, happened to go to Willow Creek. And he said, uh, he said, you know, I appreciate the choice that you're making. I know it's, it's, it's gotta be a little bit scary for you right now, but, um, if you ever need any help, don't hesitate to call me. Wow. And, and he and I have had, you know, multiple conversations about that over the years. And so here I am, right, not knowing what's going to happen. Literally less than two weeks later, I get a call from another good friend of mine who was running a very successful consulting business, whose name happens to be Dwight Jusen, who happens to be the third author of the book. So you can mm -hmm. see a lot of points of intersection yeah. here. And he said, hey, um, have you ever thought about being a consultant? Because you'd be a great consultant. And my business does this, but if you were here, we could do all this other stuff. And I ended up joining with him for, for like the next six or seven years. I helped wow. his business and had just incredible opportunities to interact with some of the world's biggest brands and some great people and travel the, the whole world courtesy of Microsoft um, and, uh, and had some great experiences. And it was, there, there was like, there was a 0% chance, right? that three years earlier, I could have said, oh, well, this would have been the natural next move, or this yeah. would be what, even if somebody had said to me, what would success look like to you? And it, that's that to me is one of the biggest stories because, you know, what I can reflect on is a time when, you know, I had no clear sense of, you know, personal vision of what was going to happen next or what I need to do. I wasn't feeling in control. Um, all I was trying to do was was follow the voice of God, but it, even that, it wasn't as though God had said, you know, here's a picture of a piece of land in a big temple I want you to build. It was just sort of, it was it was almost like a whisper of a voice. Mm -hmm. yeah, but in retrospect, it seems absolutely clear to me that that's where God wanted me to go then. And he just, he just needed to sort of nudge me off of my comfortable sort of corporate path that I was on because he had bigger and better things in mind for me. Uh, I love how pragmatic you are. And it seems like... Uh, Hearing God's voice has been something you've gotten used, you've got, you've learned, and um, the miraculous seems like a series of events for you. I want to come back to rebranding Christianity because one of the things that I've noticed is when people are talking about themselves being Christians, they're using different language now. Something like "I'm a follower of Jesus" or "I'm a believer," or uh, "You know, I come from the Christian worldview." And I think the reason that people uh, talk like that sometimes is because saying I'm a born again Christian or I'm a, uh, uh, is, is sort of hard for other people to hear. People are trying to couch what they really believe. And I think it's so interesting that your book, Rebranded Christianity, is out because what would you say uh, uh, to, to, to heal that sort of gulf that people are feeling now? Yeah, that's a really that's a really great question. I think uh, a couple of thoughts there. Um, one is, uh, you know, we've been asked the the question, particularly around the word evangelical, right? Is is that a word you even want to use anymore? And you know, there's there's not surprisingly, I'm going to take a pragmatic approach to this, but I, I, I think you know, uh, there's lots of words we can use. We tend to at our church, we tend to use the word Jesus follower, mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, if you were if you were to look at sort of surveys and such, you would say words like evangelical tend to bring up a lot of negative connotations. 
but not surprisingly, Jesus is still a pretty popular guy. I mean, I think, people, yeah. you know, even people who, who wouldn't call themselves Christians would say, I don't believe in Jesus. They would say, yeah, but, but I, I know who he was. I know what he stand for or love. That's, that's pretty good. And they, in fact, they'd probably say, I, I wish the church acted more like Jesus. You know, there's that mm-hmm. famous quote from, uh, you know, from Gandhi where he said something like, um, um, you know, I like your Jesus, but I don't like your Christians. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the I think that's the challenge that, that we have. I was, um, you know, interesting. I was I was having a conversation with a friend this morning. He's a, a, a sort of a business friend and fellow board member. He happens to live in Nashville. And he was saying, you know, it's so funny because when you're in Nashville and you meet someone in the first 10 minutes, it almost invariably comes up. Where do you go to church? And I said, yeah. And and most people either go to church or feel guilty about not going to church. He said, yeah, but then 10 years ago, we lived in San Francisco. And in San Francisco, it never comes up. Most people don't go to church. And if they do, they're embarrassed to tell you. Mm. So I think it I think it just reflects what's what's happened, you know, what's happened to the brand. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm very flexible on on terms. And I think one of the things that I think is 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 helpful is if we can start using terms that would allow people to sort of experience more of what the brand is really about. Like you would hate to think that somebody that could come to your church or in some way be served by your church and have a positive experience would be put off from ever having that because, you know, we were careless about some word we use, which got used the wrong way. So I think it's just a part of brand evolution. Um, I, I don't know what the dominant sort of movement will be in the church in the near future in the U S but I don't think it's going to be called evangelical. Wow, that's a that's a profound thought because people. It is interesting because it feels like there's Republicans, there's Democrats, and there's Evangelicals. It doesn't feel like a Christian movement anymore. It feels like a political party to some degree from a lot of people. And yet, you can say that about somebody who believes you stand with Israel. They're automatically a Zionist, which is a terrible term right now, thrown around by the the media. But there's certain theological truths behind it for those of us who may believe that way. So it is really hard because we're dealing with belief structures. And the older you get, the more you want to define those. Because like Mike Johnson, who's the leader of the Republican Congress right now, he says, I'm coming out of a biblical worldview and he gets persecuted for it by, you know, other people on other parties who don't understand that that could be a good thing. And so we're at this place in culture where there's so many wars and divisions Mm -hmm. over terminology. And so when you're talking about rebranding, a lot of people are afraid that you're going to lose the truth with rebranding. So how do you address keeping the truth in the midst of the rebranding because some people say well i'm not a zionist but i stand with israel but i stand with them this way but i'm not and they're saying the same thing but they don't like the terms anymore so they're just throwing them out so how do you deal with the fact that like we want to be relevant to culture but we don't want to be relevant to culture more than we're relevant to god (laughs) no that's a really good question and we and we get asked that a lot i think um you know first off i think in you know my pastor jeffy probably does a better job of addressing this than i do but the, the answer is pretty simple it's you know, uh, Jesus was full of grace and full of truth, not, you know, sort of half and half. Right. And I think at the end of the day, what we would what we would say is that um, it's it's not gracious to tell people something that's not the truth. So we wouldn't want to compromise, you know, what we believe truth is biblically. But at the same time, it's it's you know, the, the call is, is to be gracious. His expression that he uses to describe it is a wide welcome to a narrow path. Wow. And so, you know, right, what we, what we, and, and, um, you know, you think about Jesus, right? Jesus was known as, 
you know, what the friend of drunkards and sinners. And and I it was meant as an insult, but the truth is it it was true, right? And I think the mistake people made is they said he's associating with these people, he's accepting these people, therefore he must be doing what they're doing and he must agree with them. And that's not true at all. I think what we're saying is we're we're called to accept everyone. We're not a call to agree, right, with every point of view. And, you know, one of the things that we found very interesting and in some ways surprising, you know, with the release of this book is, you know, there are uh, clearly some people in the, in, the, in the church who, and I say the church meaning broadly, not just our church, but who, you know, are a little bit hostile to it. What, he, you know, has come from people who are, you know, Jesus followers who become really disillusioned in the church. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, if you're familiar with the term, you know, ex-evangelical, a lot of people would call themselves ex-evangelicals, uh, you know, meaning that they still believe, but they've kind of walked away from that description. Mm-hmm. And um, and what they've said is 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 we appreciate that that somebody's out there. You know, in, in some ways, we're not we're not apologizing for the church, but we are saying, hey, the church is really not what it needs to be. We need to do a much better job of loving people. And it's and there's so many people out there that have been hurt by the church, and that's that's been the warmest welcome that we've gotten. That's, wow. that's great. Well, Mike, as we wrap up, where can people find your book? And uh, is there a website? Uh, sure. Tell us all about how to get a hold of you guys. Yeah, sure. So the um, so the book is available on Amazon. It's the best place to get it. Um, we also have a, a website. The website's called rebrandingchristianity.org. And um, there is also a podcast. So if you go to Apple Podcast or wherever you go to get podcasts, it's called Rebranding Christianity. And I think there's about 12 or 13 episodes out there now, which kind of walk through the background and then the book. And then we're kind of getting to the point now where what we'd really like to do is not just talk about the book. What we'd like to do is, is, is be a place where uh, all kinds of people who, you know, written their own books or have their own shows, whatever, but have this point of view can come and and voice their, their uh, support for where, you know, the church could be going. That's so exciting. And I'm reading just one of the lines of this. Christianity is perhaps the most powerful brand in the world and offers the biggest and best promises ever made, God's unconditional love and salvation. It's so true. And I think that this is such a timely message for 2024. It's just so important that we get that vision for what Christianity is supposed to be and what it can be because we're in the most divided state the world's ever been. And so it's time for rebranding. It's time for restructuring. It's time for rethinking. And that should empower people. There's a lot of reformers right now. You guys are reformers thinking, how do we take this to the, the real place it's supposed to be in our generation, not just settle for status quo. So we so enjoyed your time with us. I want to encourage all of you to get the book, Rebranding Christianity. It's out now. And up next is Final Thoughts with Sean and Bob. I'm Sean Bowles, and I'm going to invite you to our Spiritual Growth Academy online, where you can attend a four-week class or an event every month. Plus, our back catalog is available to you as well on spiritual gifts, especially hearing God's voice, and also a deeper connection to the Holy Spirit and how to walk with Him in real ways in the days we're living in right now. Come join us at Spiritual Growth Academy by going to BowlesMinistries.com and clicking on the Academy button. Now it's time for Final Thoughts with Sean and Bob. Bob. I mean, this is a pretty incredible interview. Just his experience and what he's talking about is huge. I mean, it's really reforming. I thought the same thing. And over over the years, and you and I have been walking with God for a long time, and we've seen um, the hits that Christianity takes both politically and uh, in society. In society, as 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 believers, just continue to be humans, like you said yeah. in the interview, uh, to the point where. 
sometimes it's uncomfortable to say I'm a Christian. And, and I liked how pragmatic he was and the fact that they're looking for another way to uh, bring Christ to the forefront. And I, I thought they did a really good job. Well, and I'm, I think of it like, you know, for me personally, because I grew up as a second generation Christian. So I felt like I had more responsibility to get this thing right. You know, <laughs> to get my relationship with God right. But I also went through a period of time where I was like, I don't even want to be called a Christian because Christianity is so messed up. Yeah. And I got over that time because God's love is so good. And I remember yeah. him just showing me like, Sean, one moment of my love, my authentic love expressed through your compassion, your your passion for me, your passion for people rebrands Christianity to everyone around you, to everyone you touch. Mm -hmm. And they don't remember the failures of this TV evangelist, or they don't remember the failures of their church or where they were hurt here. They just are present with my love. And it's I've seen that with foster care where kids have been completely abused at their home, and then they get into a good foster care situation. And unfortunately, it's not enough. But when they do, when there's good Christians who are like fostering kids, and they have one moment with what a healthy family looks like, they that just they revert to that. It's like their wiring is so our wiring for God is undeniable. And when we express something that causes people to feel that wiring activate, mm -hmm. it's just they forget all the evil, they forget all the bad, they don't they don't hold God accountable for what this pastor did, or this person did. And I think that that should give us a lot of courage as business people that we may go into a situation where people say, I hate doing business with Christians. And you're like, Oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah. And you just realize like you have the opportunity now to rebrand that by your love, your character, your integrity, without even using words, just right. by being Right, you know, just by righteous, by walking with God. So I think we need to not be afraid of Christianity's bad, tarnished reputation because Christ's reputation is impeccable. It is interesting because if you just walk around do, trying to do the right thing over and over and over again, your character shines before you and people see it. And people will ask you, like I've been asked so many times, are you religious? <laughs> and I, what they mean is like, do you have a relationship with God? And I always yeah. say, well, I'm not religion, religious, but I have a relationship with God. And yeah, that seems to satisfy the question. But but I think what we need to do is just try to continue to try to do the right thing. And when we don't, be vulnerable enough to apologize and say, hey, I'm sorry. I've made a mistake. Yeah. And people really, really are drawn to that Jesus in you who causes uh, us to want to do the right thing. Well, we solved some problems of the whole church today, which is great. <laughs> and if you're going to join the conversation, please join Bob Hassan and I online on our social media. As Bob has an active social media on Instagram. I have one as well on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. I want to encourage you to join us there. Join the conversation at YouTube. And I also have another show called Sean Bowles Show, which is a commentary show where we talk about current news and current events. And Bob, you need to come back on the show soon because we talk about things in the business world. We talk about things in the political world and culture. It's so much fun. We will see you on the next episode of Exploring the Marketplace. See you next time. Thanks for exploring what God is doing in the marketplace with us. We have amazing resources for you at our website with free videos, take an online class with us at our online school, Spiritual Growth Academy, or get one of our books, including the one Bob and I authored together, Wired to Hear. We have lots of ways to connect with you. Come visit us on social media. Just look for at Sean Bowles or at Bob Hassan or visit BowlesMinistries.com. This show is made possible by listeners just like you. Become a partner or donate now to become part of our team. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it on your socials or help us review it on the podcast server you found us on. See you next time.